Welcome to Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite. Ray Allen Canine. It's no secret that we love Ray Allen Canine equipment. We use their products every single day at both Van Ness Canine and at Torchlight. Their mission statement says it all, to be the world leader in quality innovation for professional canine equipment for police, military, Schutzen, and ring sport. Tend to exceed their customers' expectations and deliver on time every time at a fair price. We full-heartedly believe that they've held true to that since it is our go-to one-stop shop for everything canine, not just police dogs, but for any working dog. This episode is also brought to you by our good friends over at Dogtra, dogtra.com. It's the e-collars that Ted and I use. It's the e-collars most police dog guys use. Dogtra.com, e-collars, bark collars, ball launchers, one-stop shop for everything you need for your working dog, dogtra.com. One of the other sponsors we're proud to have is Hits Canine Training Conference. It's the premier Amer- it's the premier canine training seminar in the United States, packed to the rim with the world's best instructors covering important topics from admins to liability to detection work, all and tracking and everything in between. There's no better place to learn and no better place to network with other handlers, breeders, and trainers. Hits 2022 is being held in Orlando in August. Uh, so hit them up, hitscanine.net. We're super happy to be uh, represented by our good friends at Kinetic Dog Food. Uh, we've got great reviews from people all over the place. Uh, ever since we, we joined up with them and partnered with them, their uh, commitment to your dog's nutrition is top-notch. KineticDogFood.com. Check them out. Jim over at NC Canine out in North Carolina. It's the culmination of 13 years of experience in handling or training uh, law enforcement canines. They use real-world deployments to develop their training program and rely not only on their experience, but the current experience of the nation's canine handlers provide the best canine partner you can get. They provide pet training and police canine training based out of Four Oaks, North Carolina, and they serve the surrounding areas as well as nationally. Feel free to call them and learn more about their dog training program, police canine techniques and methodologies. We got a brand new sponsor, man, American Aluminum Accessories. Uh, my entire time in canine and ever since I've been involved in the dogs, the kennel in the back of our cruisers has always been American aluminum. Uh, check them out. Uh, we're so happy to have them on here. Easyrideronline.com. Easyrideronline.com for everything you need from American aluminum accessories. Speaking of kennels, once you get out of the car, you got to have somewhere to put them. So our friends up in Ohio at Horizon Structures make a one-stop shop for kennel. If you want a two-dog kennel or if you want a 20-dog kennel, they got you covered. They get those things built and they drop it off at your house. All you got to have is a pad, electricity, and water, and you can put dogs in it that day. Horizon Structures can build you anything from mild to wild, and it is the one-stop shop, and you don't have to swing a single hammer. So hit them up, horizonstructures.com. All right, everybody, Working Dog Radio, we are back broadcasting the bite uh as usual from ohio my name is eric stambro um with me as always is our co-host ted summers from tulsa oklahoma sleeveless as usual uh ted is that your hey fuck face hat by any chance that you're wearing no it's you know, okay. it says okay on it it's it was a gift from somebody but uh, all right it's hot i don't wear sleeves when it's hot what do you want me to say <laughs> that's <just> true <laughs> it's hot i don't wear sleeves when it's hot all right so what's going on over there in tulsa uh pet dogs and yeah pet dogs and some police dogo stuff um i'm in the like the final stretches of getting the va program finished uh and that will be done God, i hope by the end of the month maybe like the first week of august but then i should be good to go and we got to do the side eval and everything else after that i'll be good to go uh, they come out and do a side eval they make sure that we have like ADA compliant stuff and which is what I understand because 
we have these like physical requirements and restrictions like you know you can't be a police canine trainer if you can't walk type thing so they're yeah, like oh but I you have you. to have ada compliant bathrooms i'm like what okay well and so we're building them anyway to be ada compliant for code but i'm like oh, that doesn't make any sense but they do some checks on like your accounting and some record keeping stuff um and how we keep records for uh, students so um, mm -hmm. but other than that it's all just uh, the hard part is done the part of writing the fucking catalog um, but if you're listening to this and you want to go through the VA program the catalog I send you which is like the course outline and course description uh, that's what I've been writing for the last or what Alicia and I've been writing for the last forever so uh, that part's almost done um, and then I'll be good to go but when uh, them dudes show up uh, to do the site eval and they want to see how you're going to keep the records, you should show them an Etch-A-Sketch and <laughs> you'll know from his reaction oh. if he's going to be cool or if this is going to be a long day. So my intern who is already pre-approved um, is a veteran and he's like, what the, and he's like, what the fuck, what does the VA need to do, need to question you about record keeping at all? Like I'll yeah. show up for an appointment and they act like they have no idea what's going on. They're written in crayon. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I don't, he was like, I wouldn't trust that too much. I'm like, Hey, I'm just checking the boxes off, man. Like, I don't know what you want me to tell you. Uh, what else happened? Oh, I had a, God, damn it. So whenever I take dogs into home Depot, I try and make sure they use the bathroom first. And then yeah. yeah, I know where this is at. <laughs> yeah. This is everybody knows where this is going. Uh, we have a golden doodle right now or some kind of doodle. I don't know. His name's Toby. Super cool dog. Um, like super easy to train. Just dog's got ADD and he gets like super overstimulated like with anything um and when he gets overstimulated he poops so we took him to home depot and he pooped beforehand but then he shit in the store and i think i would have been less embarrassed if i just shit in the store yeah right <laughs> i was like man i just kind of stood there and, and you're like really like, this is i mean come on i'm just standing there like an asshole with the leash in my hand i'm like like i'm standing in the middle of a park and i'm like just standing there watching this dog take a shit i'm like yeah and there's employees walking by like and of course they all recognize me yeah, you know, they're like, you need they, help? Yeah, and they're, they're like, you know, the assistant manager walked by a couple times, like, oh, when are you put you on payroll? I'm like, haha, shut the fuck up. Yeah, leave mm -hmm. me alone. So, but anyway, what do you got going on? Uh, let's see, what do I got? Um, Jack, canine Jack left with his handler. His handler came I saw uh, that. for a few days. Um, Jack's a beast, man. I love the dog. Jack was here way too long. Um, started doing his training, and I, because I sold him to that department pretty quickly. And, um, he, I start doing his training. Then I forget what the delay was. And then I got sick and I'm all, you know, screwed on COVID for like five weeks in the hospital and all that bullshit oh, yeah. that delayed it. Then I get back and we start going again and him and a, um, police dog that I was boarding and they're in kennels next to each other. They have kennel dividers. I think the police dog bit him underneath the kennel, tore his foot up, stitches, so he's down and out for a couple of weeks with that when he's a Malinois who flips in the kennel. So that was fun. Um, that cone thing lasted, I don't know, four hours, I think probably if I was guessing, um, Sounds about right. it was, it was in pieces flung out of the kennel. So whatever, but, uh, finished him up. He went, uh, got another dog, Ronnie who's going to a pretty decent size agency here in Ohio. He'll finish up end of next week. Um, he's been trying, uh, Ronnie is, really made me try some off the wall out of the box thinking stuff for training this dog his um he came with zero ob and i've talked about him a little bit before zero ob 
none, not even a sit, which is a thing coming out of Europe now. They're getting the yeah. dogs on the sleeve, doing some bite work with them, and that's it. And the dogs are raw as can be. The problem is he will not, under any circumstances, for anything you're doing, take any food of any kind. That's not annoying. No. So, <laughs> and the problem is his prey drive like for a toy <laughs> is at the upper limits. Almost the close to unmanageable, not quite unmanageable, but close to the unmanageable. Uh, I wouldn't want any more. I've had one other dog that was more and I learned what I don't like. So the only thing that works with him is pressure. Just like a fearful dog that we train, you know, a pet yeah. dog or whatever that won't take food. So the only thing that works with, with him is pressure. So teaching him the sit and the down and everything is pressure related. And that's been a blast as you can imagine. Um, and it's, and it, it's, it's just weird, man. I'm using, like I taught him to sit using the door to the kennel to sit, to go outside. And it's become, it was a huge fight and whatever, but that's become pretty easy. He offers it now, but on, when we were teaching him odor, odor imprinting on boxes, he, because of the prey drive, he, he's just biting the box, grabbing it, throwing it across the room. If anything I tried, if I would have tried Dutch boxes, the fight over the toy with him, even trying to use two toy is not worth it. It's actually a pain in the ass. Um, the funny thing is on out for bite work, he will out a suit and fly back to you for a tug. Like no problem, but will not spit a toy for another toy. So his reward toy for dope is PVC pipe. Um, I'm not a huge fan of it. Um, it just clanking around the teeth drives me insane, but, um, and blood all over it, you know, but so to today, no yesterday. So we were, we were teaching him indirect reward, find it, come back to the, we were using a tug, come back to the toy right. because it worked. It imprinted him crazy fast. His hunt is insane. Um, but then you know, it's going to a department. They're always direct reward at source. They, they don't know. They've never done that. And they're not all that comfortable with it. So we started rewarding. Now we're back to as soon as he changed behavior at odor, rewarding, rewarding. And then yesterday we started doing a sit at odor and um, it's starting to work. The problem is it creates a dog who sits and turns and looks up at uh -huh. me or who are the handlers. And that drives me nuts. I like more of a focus. But getting to where I'm at, I'm happy because, oh, my gosh, man. So, um, but anyways, uh, what else I got going? I got um, our buddy Scott from Next Level Kennels brought up some dogs. Uh, I'm doing a dual-purpose explosive dog for him, a single-purpose dope dog. And then I have another dog I think I just sold to a vet for, like, a um, ride-or-die companion vehicle protection oh, nice. type dog. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Joda, that lab that I had, he mm -hmm. certified today. Here's the funny thing. That. We didn't tell the handler. So the handler's in school, right? He's a couple weeks into school. Um, he had done two weeks with a lab that I had or a week with a lab that I had who I shit canned that I didn't like. And I got Joda back who I'd pre-trained, just hadn't been sold yet. So I get Joda's a rock star. I get him back. And the only reason why I didn't sell, get him in the beginning is Joda um, is like a Malinois in a lab, meaning – it's all mouth plays with his mouth will bite your hand and he's right. going to work in a school. I said, look, bro, this dog's going to find every bit of dope in this school. Don't let kids pet him. He's not mean. It's just, uh, in grabs, you know, whatever. 
Oh yeah. So we told the kid, Hey, it's Wednesday. The training group is training today. Your guys are training in it. Why don't you go with them, hang out with the boys, meet some of the boys and train, train with someone else other than me. Um, I know you find this hard to believe, but I can stress people out. Um, like in their ear the whole time. So I had no idea. Yeah. His buddy or the guy, the, one of the guys they're doing his eval today's uh, research. And I said, Hey, if this kid comes there, he told him they were going to run him through a mock class. I said, if he comes there and knocks it out of the park, certify him. If he's got problems, send him back. And uh, the evaluator sent me a text about halfway through the day. He goes, a blind fool could run this dog. He goes, they killed it. They murdered it. So they didn't tell the kid he was certifying till the end. Like, hey, you're done. Be back to work tomorrow. <laughs> you're so, back to work, dummy. <laughs> you're good. So, um, so I was pretty happy about that. So, and the pet dog stuff is kind of what it is. You know, I'm only doing half days at the police kennel or the police work, and then half days at uh, pet facility because for a lot of different reasons. But one. The fun house is not air conditioned and it's hot as shit in there by lunchtime. The center, we call it where the pet stuff is, is air conditioned. It's quite cool. It's very nice in there. So I was in there today working a um, mini Fox Terrier and a shepherd and then some other doodle of some sort and taking out trash and doing all that other stuff. So who do we got today? What are we doing? Well, um, the person we have on today is somebody that we've known for like a long time. I think the first time I met her was at the canine biathlon thing, like down in, I don't know where that was. One of the Southern States, it was really muddy and had a lot of bugs. Um, I don't remember where it was. It was either Alabama or Mississippi or somewhere. Um, but, uh, on tonight is Sinead Embarro. Sinead, how are you? Hi guys. How are you guys? Doing well, good, good. Uh, doing well, doing well. Um, you were on a list, like the short list to do like a lot of like recent guests and we just never like it never something happened. She may have been busy a little. Bit. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or like not wherever you're at. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I see you on fucking Instagram or Facebook all the time and you're like never in the same spot. So um, I kind of on that note, like give us a little bit of your background and uh, how we got into the whole dog side of things. Well, um as you already know, my name is Sinead Mbaro. I'm a civilian police canine instructor. I'm also a military fitness specialist. Um, I'm also on Florida Task Force 6 uh, for their uh, search and rescue um, part as a live search, um, live search specialist for uh, finding live victims for disaster searches, et cetera. Um, how I got into dog training I initially started way back when, I guess I lived in Key West, Florida. Uh, That's over 20 years ago. Um, I had a dog that um, I thought at the time, before I knew anything about dog training, I thought this dog was protecting me. And I thought it was really cool that certain behaviors that it was giving me was, uh, was something that I thought was cool as far as a dog protecting me, quote unquote. Uh, I come to find out that the dog was being very possessive of me um, and territorial. So I seeked out a trainer who happened to be a police canine trainer in Key West. And I started to learn more from him about good behaviors and bad behaviors and 
what I should expect from a dog. And then from then on, just started to train under him and started to train under the police department with him, training dogs with him. So that's kind of how I got into dog training. It's basically way back in Key West, learning dog behaviors, what's good and what's not good for a dog <laughs> to, uh, to present to you. So this first dog you had that, uh, that was doing all that, what breed was that dog? German Shepherd. I've only had German Shepherds. Believe it or not, Magnus is my first Malinois or other breed. I've always had Shepherds. So where does that so, come from? You think? Um, I, I don't know. I guess it's just German Shepherds are just, they've always been a great breed. They've been smart. They've, they're more of a family dog. Um, I don't know. I just, I just like them. And somehow Magnus just fit into that bill. Yeah. Shepherd people are shepherd people, like for sure. Yeah. Yeah. They, uh, they'll stick with them all the way to the end. So, uh, and it's good, you know, and they, they do like once they get through one or two and they get through, I shouldn't say it like that, but when they're working one or two that they know what to expect. Yeah. Out of a shepherd for the most part. Um, that crazy dog I was talking about before Ronnie is a shepherd and he is, definitely different than the other shepherds I just, i've had I just finished a puppy we delivered her today sassy the little black one if you're watching instagram you see me posting pictures of her and her her owners got super lucky with her because she's like super environmentally stable and she was fired up on chasing people at home depot and stuff the other day and her owners <laughs> have already texted me and they're like um when can we bring her back for the rest of them like <laughs> yeah well because they had no idea they're like oh we just wanted a black shepherd for the kid and the, she's already biting the kids and stuff i'm like oh <laughs> Yeah, good luck. So <laughs> that's great. We'll see. <laughs> so has your history with the dogs been getting them as puppies and raising them usually? Yes, getting them as puppies and raising them. So yeah, I like I like I love training puppies because you start out with a clean slate and everything that you put into their mind is something that you have, you know, you've worked with them to get them how they are today. So even working dogs when I when I'm done and, and we give that dog to a handler and then later on they come back and tell you, Hey, I, I found this or this dog saved so many people or what have you not. It's just a good feeling to be a part of that process. So I just like shaping, shaping little ones to become big things, big heroes in the end. I think you like that too. Don't you, Ted? Uh, I like other people's puppies. I like mine. <laughs> I don't like my puppies. No, I don't. I don't even like my own dog. Like, and I, right before we started recording, I was yelling and my leg is sitting right here and he's looking at me. He's making noise. And I was, everybody's like, what's your dog trained in? I'm like, he's trained in cuss words and thinly veiled threats of violence. Like he's 11 years old and I still yell at him. And, but no, I, I, I don't mind other people's puppies. I just don't like mine. In fact, I've got a new one that's going to be here this weekend. That is mine. And I'm super looking forward to that. I got a dog from, uh, He's been on the show, uh, Tim Kiesling out in, mm -hmm. uh, out in California. So we'll see. Mm -hmm. It's a little shithead Malinois. So I'm nice. be fun. yeah. I'm so when, excited. when you started that stuff with dogs, you started really getting, what were you doing for a living then? I was a personal trainer and I was helping people reach their goals. So whether it be weight, weight, as far as weight loss or weight gain, or I had, few people that were in either police departments. I had one that was um, 
getting ready to go into uh, FBI, head of pastor, FBI fitness um, tests. So just preparing people like that. I had great part was the gym was right across from a strip club. So I had all the strippers come in in the morning and train with me before they went to work at night. So it's just a different clientele. It's Key West. Mm -hmm. So it's a different clientele. And I just had all walks of life come in and want my help. So we end up talking about strippers on this show all the time. Like the last <laughs> 10 shows, we we're talking about strippers and strip clubs the entire time. Fucking Eric used to work at a strip club. I did. No, that's it. Really? I <laughs> yeah. DJed two of them, one in Myrtle Beach and one in Cleveland. You can't tell yeah, from his I voice. Made up. <laughs> pile of money, like a pile of money. I bet. I bet. And it was then, nuts, uh, man. I don't know. What, that dude, real quick. This is when I moved back home and went to work at the one in Cleveland, one of the DJs was this short little fat dude with his long hair. And he still had the Coke pinky, the pinky nail, the real long one, oh, do little bumps. I'm like, really, dude? I mean, this isn't the 1986. What, what are we oh. doing? Whatever, man. It was like, but it was only like 1991. It wasn't that far off of it, but uh, yeah, it was a long time ago. So, so we're moving along here. We're getting into dogs. You're starting to get a little bit more interest in your in self-interest in dogs and things. Mm-hmm. What kind of made you think you might want to do it for a living? I manu- I got into, because of the fitness side, I got into manufacturing a um, hip and joint supplement for dogs, mm-hmm. mainly because one of my shepherds was having really, really bad arthritis issues in his lower back. So I developed a product to help him, and it was helping him a lot, manufactured it sold it to primarily pet people. And um, it got to the point where even though my price point was very low for the consumer, they were just still trying to nickel and dime me. Um, I'd go to expos or what have you not and sell my product and they would nickel and dime me over the product and then go right next door and buy, I don't know, a leash or collar for $200 and just throw the money down without, you know, just throw it down like it was nothing. But to spend $35 on my supplement, it was, they couldn't afford it. Mm-hmm. So it, it got to the point where I'm like, you know what, this just, I'm going to lose my mind if I deal with these people again. <laughs> so let me see how I can help the working dog people, the working dogs primarily. Um, obviously for patrol, it's a lot easy because of the impact the dog will endure through bite work, but I didn't know about detection on how it could help the dog through detection. So I wanted to learn again, movement, what a dog does for detection. And through that, I just fell in love with watching a dog hunt for odor and, and, um, how it discovers odor. And it's always a different, each dog is different, different behavior, um, different alerts, how you handle the dog. It's just so much to go into it. So it's always an ongoing learning process. It's just not, you know, picking one dog and learning from that dog and using that um, type of training to train every dog. It's not like that, at least from what I see. So, um, so I got interested in that. And then um, my shepherd, I had a long-haired shepherd. He passed away. And uh, that took me down because he was very close to me. 
uh, that took me down a couple notches. Um, I had a friend that reached out to me who just had a litter of Malinois puppies. And she um, said, hey, why don't you come over and take a look? I want to give you one of my puppies, whichever one you want. And I said, well, I'm not really a Malinois type of person. So I think I'm just going to like hold off for a while before I get another dog. And uh, she says, well, if you were to get a dog, what kind of dog would you want? Like what personality or you know, what would you look for in a puppy? And so I just kind of told her that I wanted the dog with the biggest head. That's it. Because I wasn't really, hmm. you know, I didn't really care at that point. I just wanted to be left alone. So she picked the dog that had the biggest head in the litter, which was Magnus. And she just kept sending me photos, photos every single day of this dog. And so I went to Hits in Arizona. She lives in um, Illinois. I drove to Hits, went to that conference. And then on my way back, I stopped and saw her and all the puppies. And I still had two shepherds at that time. So she took out the litter of puppies and he followed me straight from the get-go. I'd go up the stairs. He'd try his hardest. To, he was so small. Tried his hardest to go up the stairs and follow me. He followed me anywhere and everywhere I went. So I told her, all right, let me take them. I'll train them. We'll sell them. We'll split the money. And she said, okay. Because she knew I wasn't going <laughs> to... So she's like, okay. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so he came home with me at seven weeks and stayed with me seven years later. He's still with me. So, um, and with him, I decided that I wanted to learn how to do detection with him. So, uh, I started to go to different facilities. I had a lot of mentors help me throughout the years. Um, I had a trainer here that I was training with one of my other dogs. I took him to him and he looked at him. He's a very old school, very hard Shitson guy. And he looked at him and he says, this dog will never be a working dog. He's just a pet. He's got no, um, no drive, no drive. And I said, okay, thank you. And I left. And that was the last time I actually trained with him. Um, because I just, saw a different way to there's just there's a thousand and one ways to get a dog to do something and mm -hmm. his way just wasn't the way for him so that kind of lit a fire under my ass and ever since then we've been accomplishing uh great things so it's funny you mentioned that about picking the dog with the biggest head because that's how i used to pick all my girlfriends way long time ago <laughs> different body part than the head oh, but man. It, it worked it, out it a worked. couple times. I mean, <laughs> here and there. So on a, on a list of comments that I didn't think was going to coming down the was that listen, one. you brought up strippers. Uh, it's not me. So. I didn't. She did. Oh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things that those uh, and we're going to get into during this, we're going to talk about uh, Magnus. We're going to talk about some other stuff that you're doing. And then we're going to talk about um functional fitness for dogs and canine handlers. And then we're going to talk about some search and rescue stuff, but so where did you, cause I know you do a lot of work with trailing dogs mm -hmm. and a lot of other things. Uh, how, what led you that direction? Okay. Um, I got a call from this guy on Facebook. His name is Greg, Greg Sluter. I've never met him before. 
uh, we're Facebook friends and he called me up and or, or Facebooked me or messaged me and said, Hey, um, would love you to come out and do some trailing with us. We're going to be doing this in the woods and blah, blah, blah. And I've never, I've never heard of this place before. I didn't really know about trailing. So I said, sure, no problem. I'm, I'm up for it. And I'm up for any type of training, you know? So got in my car and drove all the way to South Carolina. I uh, got lost in the woods trying to get there Took the dirt road. Um, this is like six, six years. Yeah. Six, almost seven years ago now. And uh, find this place, get situated. Um, they tell me to go to this location in the woods. I meet everyone in the woods, meet him for the first time. I meet the team that I'm paired up with um, was a, uh, I had a handler from, uh, I believe, Boston, and then uh, one from uh, California, and there was one other, and I can't remember where he was from. So paired up with those guys, and off we went to hunt for, uh, to hunt for our quote-unquote suspect. And they gave me a rifle, um, or it was a paintball gun, I guess, paintball rifle back then. And here we are heading out into the woods, into the swamp. I didn't have the right clothing on, nothing, because I honestly had no idea what I was in for. But I was game. I wasn't going to complain or anything. And so we head out, and we're into the woods, and it's probably two hours now that we're hunting for this guy. And we get into the swamp, and I'm just about chest water deep. And all of a sudden, this guy just comes flying it looked like a scene out of Rambo. He just comes out of the water. Okay. His face is all painted camel style. And he starts shooting at us and yeah. I'm just standing there. And my brain is like, I see someone shooting at us, but I can't, I'm just trying to like process everything in my head. Cause it's just not making sense what's going on. And he shot everyone around me. Um, and then he comes over to me and introduces himself. And his name is Jeff Shetler from Georgia Canine. I was going to say, <laughs> I was like, at some point, Jeff's going to pop out of somewhere. To yeah. And I mean, it was. I know he'd pop up like fucking swamp thing. But <laughs> it was unbelievable. Like... I'll never, ever forget that experience. Um, so, you know, we went back to the base camp and um, it was time for me to go lay the trail. And we did it again. Um, but um, that's how I basically got into trailing was learning from the master himself, Jeff Shetler. Um, I would go to his facility as much as I could, lay trails, learn about how to start dogs off young, and then um, slowly transferred over to uh, the Marines. So when the Marines would come, we would lay trails, set up ambushes, etc. And um, that's how I got my starting in uh, trailing. And uh, both of my dogs trail, um, but primarily when I go there, it's just, like I said, I love taking puppies and teaching them the process. So that's what I love to do when I get there. Did, did uh, the Greg ever tell you why they picked you? He just followed me on Facebook and thought that I would love it. That's, that's really it. I, and 
we've been friends ever since kind of drift, but we're always, we always keep in touch every once in a while. He's, um, he's in South Carolina. He's not with Georgia canine, but, um, he's a mountain man. He's way up in the mountains, but yeah. I, As you were telling that story, like the opening of it sounded like the beginning of like one of the crime shows on TV. I know. And like, you know, when I mean, I, sure I'll come. I don't know you. I'm going to go out in the woods and get lost and come find and I'm gonna let you come find me. How about that? And when I got there, I'm thinking Fucking creepy about that. I don't know anyone. <laughs> no one knows where I'm at. Okay. Well, what's the worst that could happen? You know? Yeah. Um, Everyone, yeah, as was... a kid, your parents tell you not to get in the car with strangers. And now, <laughs> yeah. we have a, now we have a fucking app called Uber, right? Yeah, now we, everybody. Yeah, exactly. Like, and now I'm like, really? And so you're telling the story. I was like, this is how true crime stars start. Like, yeah. I know yeah, she didn't my get body. killed because she's sitting here talking to us, but like, <laughs> <laughs> like what the fuck? That's, that's funny. It's, yeah. it's amazing. It, it's an amazing um, experience to be just thrown in that and just go with it. Yeah, he you saw know. you. He's like, she's in shape. She looks like she could run through the swamp for four <laughs> miles and be just perfectly fine. Yeah. So, it, yeah. It's so you know, it's, it's probably a pretty good thing, too. Like, they followed you on Facebook, and it was probably pretty straightforward. I, I mean, I much enjoy teaching um, new handlers that don't know anything about tracking or don't know anything about detection work because they don't have any bad habits. <laughs> So I don't have to like it. The worst is when they have a dog and they've run a dog forever. And then they come to me and like, they get a dog from me and I have to hear about their other dog. And I'm like, yeah, I don't care. But you know, <laughs> like, I'm sure he's great. He's on your couch or he's dead. Like he's on your couch with your wife, like eating beef jerky. So like leave him there. But you know, and then they're like, I'm like, what are you doing? You know? And they're I'm like, who taught you to do that? They're like, I just kind of, that's how we've always done it. I'm like, who's we? Like, what are you doing? Stop doing that. And like, when I have new people though, they're, like, they're just like, I mean, I've guys come in, they've never even owned a dog before. I'm like, yeah, that's perfect. That's who I want. Cause yeah. then it's great. I'm like, then they don't know any different. <laughs> yeah. So before we get into Magnus real quick, um, and you, you probably get this a lot, but, and Ted and I do too. And I, I'll be honest with you. I kind of, I don't blow it off, but I just don't have a lot of time to get into a lot of things. So somebody gets you, knows you or doesn't or reaches out and they got a puppy and they, they believe that the puppy, you know, has good potential and they're really interested in the trailing aspect. And you talk about developing puppies. What's a couple little things that you would tell them, listen, do this with that four month old puppy. With the four month old puppy. Yeah, start because that's what you know. They they get the dog from the breeder, come home, and they're like, "All right, let's see if he'll hunt his food." You know, like right away they want to try things. So right, you're getting right. a young dog. What to do to kind of, I don't know, help them go in the correct direction mm -hmm. uh, as they're going. I would, and and I tell this just to. I'm starting actually a handler for um, search and rescue for Lifeline. He just got a Malinois puppy. Um, the main thing is. Um, you need other people to um, interact with the dog rather than it just being you. I mean, you want to create a bond with the dog, but you don't want to create this bond where the dog just doesn't want to leave your side. You want to create a, uh, a dog that's going to become independent, that wants to work away from you um, so it can get its job done and not have to worry about, you know, where the owner is or the handler is. Um, so interacting with other people, letting other people play as far as, um, with the reward toy and, 
little runaways, et cetera, like that for trailing. Um, I mean, for trailing, we don't, we don't do your, your sport tracking or putting food on the ground or things of that nature, but we do use a toy or we'll use food. Um, so whatever the highest motivation, either toy, food, um, we'll ask them to use that for quick runaway trails. Um, obviously creating your dog, taking your dog out and working it, putting it back in a crate is recommended rather than having your dog just lounge around on the couch or let it do whatever it wants to do. And then uh, for trailing, we recommend not doing too much obedience with the dog again, because we want to create that independence. Um, anything else you guys want? Or? No, right. that's because yeah. I, I get asked a lot and I'll be honest with you. I don't mess with puppies that much. Mm -hmm. My answer is usually don't screw them up. Yeah. And I, <laughs> Then I turn around and, and we got put dogs to work. I don't know, Ted, what do you, you get, I, I'm sure you get asked about it a lot. I do. And so I haven't, well, I mean, I've, I know how to raise the puppies. I mean, we've done it successfully quite a bit and our most successful dogs in the field right now are the ones that um, I raised or had a part in raising whatever else. But um, it's always interesting because I try and, and we talk about this at HRDs a lot. The one reason that all dogs will get washed from any detection program, uh, whether it be narcotics, explosives, search and rescue, whatever it is, outside of health, um, is environmentals um, and their inability. There's not a dog working that will that gets washed because of their inability to find target odor. They just don't. Mm -hmm. They get washed for environmentals. So I tend to focus on no matter what breed they are and no matter what and for pets too like my puppy program in the little malinois puppy like if you follow me on instagram you saw her rio she's a little spaz she's a covid puppy so the owners got her and she came to the kennel she's scared of everything and i've had her for a week and i have her ripping around home depot and like you know i mean she's not scared of anything now but I tend to focus heavily on environmentals and playing on eating around and that's the story. I don't know. I think I told this last time, I don't know, but I, you know, and I, like, like Sinead just said, playing with other people. And so if I take puppies in, everybody wants to play with puppies. I'm like, yeah, come play with them. So I saw a group, it was at Home Depot. I saw a group of, I don't know, four or six kids that were between eight and something. I don't know. They were not very old. And so, you know, the tattooed shit bag guy with the dogs is like, hey, you want to come play with a puppy? And they're like, yeah, great. And their parents kind of looked at me weird. And in hindsight, it was like, okay. It's the weird Sounded guy. Weird. It's literally Someone's gonna exactly, call the cops on me. It's, it's literally <laughs> exactly what they tell you not to do in school. And that's what I was like, man, wherever these kids go to school, they're doing a terrible job. Like, don't talk to strangers with puppies. So anyway, I try and get people to play with puppies. The same thing. And once they get to a point, as with the patrol dogs, they have to be social. Like they just do. Like it just that they're they absolutely do. I'm dealing with one right now that is not, and it's a fucking pain in the ass. And then for search and rescue dogs. Uh, they obviously also have to be social for different reasons. Um, but then, you know, with the detection dogs and stuff, like I can't have him soliciting people for, I can't have him soliciting people for attention. And then I can't have them being afraid of people. So I just kind of was like, you know, once they get to like, you know, six, eight months old ish, I'm like, okay, now you can stop talking to people and just, you know, now come play with me. But, you know, I just, it's a super, every, and, and I do that with, with pet dogs too. Like every problem that I'm fixing right now with pet dogs 
revolves around lack of socialization or what I call desensitization or whatever. The dogs are scared of shit that they've never seen. They're scared of people, noises, whatever it is. So I usually focus heavily on that. And then if I'm raising a puppy to green status, like um, Jeremy, we just walked a litter of those uh, of the shirt the pointers. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll raise those dogs geared towards detection and um, they will, and they're going to, I think we're going to sell them. But um, I, I raised a litter of puppies about five years ago, an entire litter of them. And I think we had 10 or 11 and six of them ended up being good working prospects. And I sold six of them to single purpose guys. And those single purpose dogs, those handlers came back to me and they're like, God damn, these dogs are like the easiest things in the world to train. Because they, they already know how to mark. Like, I don't give them any verbal cues. Like, they're all shaped. Like, Sinead was talking about. I shape everything with clickers and markers. I don't give them any verbal commands. And the dog just understands how to interact with the person. Like, he just understands how to interact with people and how to interact with the trainer. So, literally, they have them on one odor at the end of the, like, by the end of the first week. And they're like, this dog's nine months old and he's already on, you know, coke. I'm like, yep, pretty much. Like, go find the tennis ball. Go find the odor. Like sit down and look at me if you want something and then we'll figure it out. And, and so, yeah, I mean, imprinting them very early. And like you said, Eric, like it's a thing. All the dogs coming from Europe act like I've never seen a fucking leash on in their life. So they may not have either. They, they, well, and they're, they do, they're doing very, very little work over there. And I understand it's a vol, it's a margin for numbers game. I get it, but I mean, it's still annoying. So, but yeah, I mean, that's the part I like about puppies. Same thing Sinead likes. And then I like giving them back to their owners. So I don't have to mess with them and hear them bark mm-hmm. at night. Fuckers. So, so, that's, that's so before we like. started recording, we saw your dog. Is he sitting mm-hmm. over there? He is. So can he make a camera appearance? I think he can. Megs. Hey, bud. Here. Come on, bud. Come around. Mm. Here, buddy. This forces everyone to go to YouTube. Honestly. <laughs> there you go. At us. Come on, bud. There we go. Were you sleeping? Yeah, Good you were boy. sleeping. Huh? Were you sleeping? <laughs> he was He's sleeping. like, this is bullshit. He's like, I was sleeping. <laughs> He's like, he does have a big head, though. Doesn't <laughs> he? Card. Yeah. So um, I, I've talked about this on a couple different podcasts that I recently, uh, a few months ago, went up to Indiana to uh, help work at a seminar up there at MUTC. Mm-hmm. Uh, those of you who listen to... Um, uh, Jean-Claude LeBlanc on there that he's got that big seminar coming up there and I've been up there a couple of times and when I was asked hey would you like to come up and do the LE side of this there was supposed to be me and another guy and he ended up not being able to do it but I said yeah sure I'll, I'll get up there and when I get there um, it's not just LE for me because they had some late entries from the search and rescue side and um, just things like that so they're like hey we've got several search and rescue people with you not just LE. Turns out I had about 50, 50. I was like, okay, cool. Um, yeah. So I'm just going to set up scenarios. I mean, for the, for the, uh, uh, human remains dogs, they already had the odor. I just had to find different creative places to put it maybe. Um, and, and I can, you know, come up with weird scenarios for just about any type. But, um, when I get with my group the first day, Sinead's there and she didn't know me. I had met her, um, at I think it was Bravo three we figured out um, to, at a morning exercise thing we'll we'll talk about in the second segment but um, I had messaged I think it was Ted Ted or Alicia or both and I said hey Sinead's up here with her dog and they're like oh that dog's awesome man you're gonna have a good time uh, I was like yeah cool so I actually 
um, borrowed Sinead on a couple things and said, listen, I got too much shit. I need a little bit of help. Tell me how, you know, what works best for certain things, how we want to set this up. I'll do it. Just kind of push me in the right direction. Can you help this person? You know, cause we started seeing, you know, some people were struggling with a couple things, a trailing dog that needs some help and stuff like that. And I didn't see, we did a lot of stuff, everything I threw at her dog and all the dogs there. I didn't see your dog struggle with a single thing, not one single thing. Um, and we did a little bit of all genres there with that dog. And I was like, I was super impressed, like really impressed with that dog, especially he's, what'd you say? Seven, seven and a half now. Seven years. Yeah. He's seven now. He's brings it still. Um, they got to do the, the high line, you know, mm -hmm. stuff like that, which was pretty cool to watch. Um, he's looked, you know, pretty chill on that. Even I'm like, of course, of course, this dog is here and is belongs to somebody and I can't buy him. I was like, your dog sucks. Put him in my van. <laughs> so, um, what, what did you, was that your first time at, at Muscatatuck? Yes. And I plan on going back again next year. It's an amazing facility. Um, so many venues uh, for us to use. Um, absolutely amazing place to do a lot of great training. So looking forward to going back again. So tell everybody uh, what all he does. What, what's everything that he's involved in? Wow. Um, <laughs> so he does trailing. He does... Um, disaster search looking for uh, he's a live fine dog looking for live people um he'll do tactical trailing as well which is just basically having flankers on his side um that can uh go out in different formations and he's not bothered by them by his side rather than just being everyone being behind him uh he does narcotics and he's also a bitey bite dog. He does uh, he does some bite work too. He bites hard as shit. So don't even <laughs> say, you he's know. He's got a big head. Yes. He's got a big head. Big dogs bite hard. Big dogs <laughs> bite hard. There you go. So when she's when she's talking about live fine guys, I so in that MUTC they have a village that they'll flood. It's like a I say a village, it's like a neighborhood kind of that they flood up to just under the roof line. And a couple of the um, buildings have access so you can get inside and hide in the rafters. And we did um, uh, where they were bringing them in on the boat, right? So they had these guys bringing the, in on the boat. I was a guy hiding inside the roof of a house, you know, stranded there or whatever. And you can hear as they're coming, you can hear him breathing, panting, panting, panting. And they're still on the boat and he gets quiet. And she's like, yeah, right there. And they go in and I believe I had a video of it. I don't know anymore. It was like a really poor video, but I had a video of it and you can see him from the boat in the water, downwind of the house. And I'm inside the roof with the hatch closed in the rafters. And he gives an alert, like it definitely changed behavior. <laughs> she's like, yeah, go there and put the boat, climb on alert at the, um, at the trap door. I think I popped, gave him a wedge maybe or something like that. But, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Yeah. That was pretty and, cool. To, cool and that to was see, his man. first, that was his first time doing that type of oh. scenario in the water, um, looking for someone on a roof. 
So I wasn't sure, you know, I mean, he's, he's a great dog and everything, but you know, this is something new for both of us. And I wasn't sure if he was going to think that we were just going to go for a boat ride or if he was going to get on the roof and there was other dogs working around us, if he was just going to look at those dogs and say, Hey, let me go join them. Or I, I didn't know what to expect, but, um, he definitely picked up your odor mm -hmm. as you we were coming around that house. And then, um, he got up on that roof. He was determined to get up on the roof by himself. He didn't want my <laughs> help. So when he got up there, he just started to sniff you out and found you and yeah. Yeah, it, was, it was nice. It was impressive. Everything he did, yeah. I really, I really thought it was uh, really impressive to see. And he's um, not surprisingly very physically fit, uh, which is important. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. Um, what's his best thing he does? Um, it's a toss up. It, I mean, he's great with odor. So, it, it, you know, it's either he's great with narcotics or he's great with finding people. And I think, uh, it, it's, it's a 50, 50. He's, he's just a very methodical dog. So whatever I put in front of him, he's going to, he's just, he's going to bang it out. It, I can't really tell you what he's really great at. Cause he's <laughs> seems to be great at everything. <laughs> yeah. I would agree with that. That assessment. You know? Yeah. The, he, uh, um, he impressed the, me. Like the marketplace scenario where you had the dog in a crate we've never mm -hmm. done that before where he had to pass that dog and go up the flight of stairs to find someone um and it was a female dog as well right i, I think it was a female malinois yeah yep. in there and, and he just went looked at the crate and just bypassed it and went up and yeah he he amazes me every time so it, it's great it's great to see him work and um it's great to be in new scenarios for me as well because I learned something new every time I go to those training events. So pretty cool. Yeah. That was a dick move on my part. Uh, <laughs> I put a dog in a crate, like it was a stairwell that went up and then up and I put him mm -hmm. on the first landing and uh, yeah, a couple of dogs did really good. A couple of dogs had a little bit issue with it. Uh, if I could have, I'd have put a cat in that bitch and that would have really been a dick move, but it's very realistic. Yeah. Yeah. Cat. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I think Ted, you'd like that move, right? Little bait dog in the uh, in the crate there. We do that for our SWAT thing with like it's one of the warrant service things. So mm -hmm. they're doing a fucking snatch and grab, and they're using the dog and fuck. There's an angry pit bull on it. There's an angry dog, aggressive pit bull in a kennel, which probably would never happen. And, yeah. But so yeah, it'll uh, happen in the house though. Oh, uh, and you don't tell the handler either. Any freak <laughs> out? But yeah. So no, I've never done that. Uh. <laughs> yeah all right we're gonna go ahead and take our first break uh we got some really good sponsors in there guys don't pass through them if you do and i know you will i say this all the time the bottom of the show notes have all the discount codes all our amazing sponsors we will be right back we have a long-standing relationship with the guys over at hits canine training conference uh it's truly america's premier canine seminar it is the largest it is the best um, they cover every important topic in the canine industry, hundreds and hundreds of vendors, thousands of canine people there. Everybody, you know, in this industry is there. Ted and I will be teaching hits 2022 is being held in Orlando, Florida, August 16th to the 19th. Also check out their website hits They have other classes that they're putting out online. 
uh, Zoom classes and all kinds of other things. They're offering in-person classes leading up to HITS 2022, Orlando, Florida, August 16th to the 19th. Check it out, hitsk9.net. Everyone knows me, knows that I live on chicken nuggets and Coors Light. So uh, that doesn't mean your dog should, though. Um, our friends at Kinetic um, are make it a, a point to fuel working dogs, and they know that it can be tough, and they need high-quality food, unlike me, to give them energy and the nutrients that they require. I just subsist on air and you know Coors Light, but, so, but the dogs can't. They actually have to work. So for that, we asked Kinetic, and Kinetic has come up with a great balance of healthy meats and grains and is made specifically for working and sport dogs. They have a full line of foods and supplements available, and they've been working to perfect their line for thousands of dogs and hundreds of departments across the U.S. You can buy it locally online or at Tractor Supply, or you can get it at Chewy. So head over to their website, kineticdogfood.com, 513-615-6904. And get them on the socials at Kinetic Dog Food. So probably the number one product I've ever advertised for or used that set that does what they say is Quick Turn by Vet Care. Uh, I have it uh, at my house. I have it at the kennel. I have it at the fun house. I have it at the uh, doggy daycare. I have my trainers have it at their house. It is unbelievable how it works. You guys have all heard Ted and I talk about it, how we've gotten tagged by dogs or dogs do, you know, if you're dealing with working dogs, weird stuff happens, right? Cuts that, how the hell that happened? Bites, scratches, all kinds of things that happen, especially if you're doing anything in the wooded area, they get tore up. Uh, the quick derm by vet care. It is no exaggeration. It is great. So once daily treatment for any skin condition or small wounds to help stop little issues from becoming big ones comes in sprays, ointments, or dressing. Quick Derm is great at creating a protective barrier and promoting wound healing. The best thing, too, is they have a discount code. Get on their website, vetcare.us. That's vetcare.us. Put in the discount code 10WDR in capital letters, 10WDR for 10% off your first order. These next guys uh, have actually been on the show when we instructed at uh... – the first uh, tripwire conference down in Florida, uh, Jim O'Brien was a guest on the show uh, and he runs NC canine who has now come onto the show as a sponsor. Um, Jim's been around for quite a long time, about 13 ish years uh, with experience handling and training law enforcement canines. Um, he uses real world deployments to develop training program and not rely only on their experience, but current experiences from most of their national canine teams and handlers to provide the best canine partner that you guys can, purchase they provide pet training and police canine services based out of four oaks north carolina and they serve the surrounding areas feel free to give jim a call a text carrier pigeon however you want to get a hold of him uh to, to talk to him about police canine training or pets and techniques and methodologies so hit him up at 919-438-0141 or j o'brien that's j-o-b-r-i-e-n at n-c Letter K number nine dot us. Check the show notes. We'll put it there. All right, everybody. We are back. Working dog radio broadcasting the bite. The three of us just stared at each other for a few seconds like weirdos while we shove those commercials in there. Um, it's one of my favorite things. Um, but we're with uh, our friend Sinead and Barrow. Uh, so the first time I, I met you, um, I think Ted and Alicia, they knew you for a bit, was at Bravo 3. And you were doing a morning, early morning workout session for whoever wanted to come. Yes. And 
I came, I was like, yeah, I'll come down. And we had a good time and it was a good workout. I was hungover, maybe even still a little drunk, <laughs> but I can work through that. I've, I've done worse. Um, but yeah, it was good. You know, um, very functional stuff. And then I started talking to some folks and I think you and I talked at the MUTC thing that that is one of the things that you really do still. We talked about in the beginning of this episode, back in the day down in Key West doing personal training. But I think you've expanded, I might be wrong, functional fitness for like the working dog type person and possibly the dogs. Is that is that part of the stuff you do still? Yeah, so obviously we condition our dogs. We want them to be a fine-tuned machine. Uh, but us as handlers kind of get a little bit lazy. Um, and then when we get out in the field, um, we just can't keep up with them or we're just not as focused as we should be with them because we're panting and we're mm -hmm. trying to keep up with them. Right. Uh, so especially for trailing, if you're going to, if you're going out on the track, you want to make sure that you're able to keep up with your dog and, and be keen on all your senses and your environment around you. So when I'm, uh, when I'm at Georgia canine, uh, I will do a fitness class there with the handlers once we're done trailing and we could be out from eight in the morning till three in the afternoon, easily 12 miles of trailing and we'll still come back to the facil facility and put in a workout uh, for a good hour with the handlers and then I'll let them rest with the dogs because obviously the dogs had a good workout. Um, when I'm not there and I have handlers come to me or call me or message me asking what they can do I will put them through just a little quick um, introduction of what they can do with their dog as a team uh, to become more conditioned and obviously the weather down here in Florida is a lot hotter than up north so it kind of limits us to what we can do but you know water is is a good friend for us down here mm -hmm. so um, you know swimming um, if they have a treadmill inside, use that for the dog, use it for themselves. Um, just little, little exercises that you can incorporate obedience in. So, you know, put the dog in a down, run, you know, 50 yards away, do a couple sit-ups to while the dog's in the down, make sure the dog stays in the down, come back, grab your dog, go for a jog, go for a walk, put your dog in a sit, go back, do another couple push-ups, come back, grab your dog, just so you work some obedience to fine tune their obedience, but you're still getting some exercise in with them on that type of aspect. And then obviously conditioning your body. Um, you know, there's different exercises you can do with the peanut, those exercise balls with the dog, with yourself. I mean, the, is, if you have a creative mind, you don't need much equipment to get physically fit or the dog to get physically fit. So it's just really putting your mind to it and staying committed. Do you find, um, having done worked with both, do dogs' muscles develop, if you're trying to build strength in a dog, differently than human muscles? Yes. Every body, every quote-unquote body is different. So it really depends on what, how you feel your body in order to um, get the results that you want. Same with the dog, but um, I think we work our dogs harder than we work ourselves. Mm -hmm. So they're going to be able to become more conditioned than us and more physically fit. 
So if we can just work ourselves half of how we work our dogs, we can get there as well. But with us and with dogs, it's really what we put inside of our body. So we can have a great workout and eat crappy and get no results. Or we can have a great workout and eat healthy. And I'm not saying, you know, bodybuilder diet or anything like that. Just eat healthy, eat clean and reap the benefits. So like I said, it just really boils down to how much you really want to put into it for yourself. Because we'll put into it for our dogs time and time over and over again. It's just we become lazy for ourselves and, you know, want to have a snack here or don't want to eat forget about eating or we're too busy to eat and then our body suffers so ted loves to eat a lot of tacos yet uh-huh. he's still oddly um not fat which is so uh, weird but i go to the gym a lot and i'm fucking active and i joke that i eat like a college freshman at least one day a week <laughs> but nothing wrong like, with that but for the most part like i just this is what i try and do i try and not eat out of boxes or bags mm-hmm. unless it's a rice bag i'll eat it rice out of a bag but other than that like I, or I try and not shop in the center of the grocery store. So, <laughs> and I try and only buy stuff two to three days at a time, which you helps go. you not like stock up a bunch of shit. That's like, doesn't go bad. Cause stuff that makes stuff not go bad makes you not go. Well, it makes you go bad. <laughs> so like, I try and not that said, I drink a lot of beer, but I mean, I figure I don't, I've never used tobacco. I don't use drugs. And if I got to die of something, I'm going to, at least I'm going to pick. So yeah. I drink caffeine and Red Bull and yeah. fucking beer and water. Like that's it. So I mean, <laughs> but <laughs> that's I mean, good. <laughs> so did you have you found a um I don't know, I don't know how I want to say it, like uh an exercise for the dogs that you kind of thought of maybe in a weird situation? Like this really works for dogs and it's kind of a strange thing. No, I, I'm not one to reinvent the wheel. I mean, simple exercises, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to go all out and, and do crazy things. It's just simple exercises. Take your dog out. You don't even have to make the dog sprint. Just take it out, condition it with the heart, go for a nice long run with it, or put it on a treadmill, 20 minutes, nice pace take it swimming. Swimming is one of the best exercises for a dog because it's virtually no impact. It's very low impact. Um, And it works just about every muscle in their body. It strengthens their core muscles. I'm saying this and I'm not a swimmer, but Mm. for a dog, it's just great. You know, it's just great cardiovascular and it's great for their muscles. And um, yeah, it's just a great, great exercise to do if you have water. close to you to do it you know um but a treadmill is great too um and you know you have the two types you have the slap mill or you have the the treadmill the the pacer one um yeah so i mean they both have they both offer um different um what's the word i'm looking for uh benefits maybe yeah benefits right so you don't have to reinvent the wheel to to create exercises when there's great exercises out there for them already. Right, but so, man, I'm trying to remember how long ago this was five years ago or so. Um, I was decoying a PSA trial in Houston and it was in April. Um, so already hot. 
you, oh, oh yeah houston <laughs> is like a fucking swamp and especially right now uh but it, it was already just disgusting um and there was keem and it was one of the first trials of the season because it's in april um and there was a bunch of dogs that came down from like the st louis area kansas city area and some other areas of the country that were still like you know they were seeing lows in the high 30s so i mean you know at this time it was like 85 degrees already um and i distinctly remember um the twos that time we had quite a few dogs um and the rotation that we had set up um i was decoying and i was the first bite and i was the last bite now in psa your entry is judged and the grip is judged and every single dog um and i know all these competitors i've worked most of these dogs if not all of them before same thing happened to the threes um the first bite was they were rock stars. I mean, they were rushing me. 15, 20 minutes later, they were coming to that last bite and the dogs were sloppy. The entries were slower. The grips were suffering. Like the dogs were fucking melting. And um, I think it was Megan Hamby's dog. She was in the threes with Felon. And we thought Felon was going to fucking stroke out on us. Like after, because <laughs> she was, I, I think she was one, she was, all she had to do was bite me or Jake Kemp or I don't remember what the deal was. But she literally just kind of stopped. And we threw in a pool, like a kiddie pool and stuff real quick. But, I mean, you know, Megan's from uh, St. Louis, if I remember correctly. So it was still really cool up there. Uh, but it, it was like, it was a scary deal. And so, and it was obvious that, that none of the dogs had been conditioned to heat because where they live. I mean, what are they going to do? Put them in a fucking sauna. But so it really wasn't, I can't knock them for it, but you know, even for people that are sport people like that shit, and especially like the ring sports, like French ring and Mondial ring where those like two and threes, like shit, those are half hour routines, man. And that's why they don't like their dogs barking all the time. They don't shut up and they continue to, well, that you can't talk to them, but like they, you know, they got to keep, they just waste a ton of energy and they gas like super, super quick. But it was interesting because, you know, uh, the judge at the time was like that, the last bites were like not that great i'm like no they weren't and the dogs were just smoked they outed fine because <laughs> they were like okay i'm ready to go back to yeah get air conditioning but um so Sinead, you mentioned like food for you so um do you have the same type of and i've been trying to get on somebody to do a show just about this and it's been <laughs> a nightmare but um what do you suggest like feeding for the dog so what does magnus eat well, Magnus is on Royal Canaan, okay. um, but I do have friends that have the dogs on raw, which is a great, great diet. Um, I, I can't do raw because I travel too much and it's just, I, I don't have a vehicle that can lug all that food yeah. around. That's a fan, um, nice. But you know, raw, raw is, if you know how to do it right, um, raw is a great diet to go on. Um, you know, like I said, he's on, he's on Royal Canaan and, and Royal Canaan has different, um, uh, sport breeds or not sport or sport mixes. I think it's called, um, that are specifically for working dogs. Um, so, you know, they have that option as well. Um, but it really, you, you want to look at the ingredients, obviously for the dog, uh, ingredients on the back of the bag, make sure that they're they're good ingredients or not just fillers. And then, um, you know, if you can add some supplements in for it as well, always, always put a joint supplement as a preventative. Don't wait till your dog needs a supplement as we would 
for ourselves. We want to make everything preventative for the dog. So always put in a joint supplement of some sort, even if it's just glucosamine, hyaluronic acid, or um, even just turmeric, which is great for inflammation for working dogs. Um, just something that's going to help them as preventative um, and just go that route. As far as what to recommend for food, it's just going to depend on, it's really going to depend on the handler's um, expense. That's what it boils down to. It really does. So, um, so highest recommendation would be raw. And then from there, just look at the back of your dog food and read the ingredients. Research. There's somebody, there's somebody listening to this in their patrol car and it's three o'clock in the morning and they mm -hmm. just gave their dog a Twinkie. Mm. <laughs> Smile face cookie. I don't know about I'm that. Talk, I'm talking to Garber. <laughs> right. Yeah. Mike. See you, Mike. <laughs> so slider closed. One last question before we take a break and then we're going to get into uh, a recent search and rescue that you got to, uh, you got involved in. Um, is there anything specifically you do for the search and rescue dogs are you are you talk to the handlers about building endurance for the dogs that are like got to work on that rock pile and got to be on that rock pile for a long periods of time or or in the woodland searches and things like that is there kind of an endurance exercise that you prefer over other things um well for search and rescue we'll work different times of the day uh, to get the dog acclimated to the weather. Um, there's, I mean, for trailing, it's a little bit different than for disaster search. And we can go, we can get in on that on the next segment. Mm -hmm. um, but as far as, I mean, it, it's really different times of day that you're going to trail. You're obviously not going to trail at high heat. Um, you're going to do it either early in the morning or later in the afternoon. Um, try to keep them in the shade. Uh, watch their, watch their, um, their breathing. Watch their body language. Know when to stop. And nothing is ever worth putting your dog through that amount of stress and getting your dog overheated um, and killing them. It's not worth it. So main thing is, read your dog's body language, know when to stop, no one to give them water, no one to give them a break. They'll start up again and continue searching. Um, so it, it doesn't really matter uh, that you keep them going and going and going and going and to the point where you're just killing them. Um, so make sure that you give them a break, let them regain some energy and cool down and then start back up again. Um, and I say that because down here, it's been super, super hot, super, super hum humid. My dog's used to being out in this heat and I still had to give them breaks. And we'll talk about that more uh, in our next segment. Mm -hmm. Perfect, perfect timing. We're gonna go ahead and take a break. Uh, when we come back, we're gonna get into the um, suicide uh, com condo collapse that uh Sinead ended up being um involved in um and uh it's a pretty pretty sad situation but um 
that's what you've been training for that type of situation hoping that you would never have to do it but here we are so we'll be right back all right guys this episode has been brought to you by great sponsors of ours please don't skip through this take a listen to them one of our oldest sponsors and great friends of ours are the people down at highland canine down in north carolina um, I really like them. We have, we see them at all the conferences. I know a lot of people have been to their school for dog trainers. They've been on the podcast Highland canine. They're a full service canine and pet dog training business where they can train you to be a trainer. They can get you a dog. They have handler classes. They have supervisor classes. They have trainers courses for just LE. They have them for anybody who wants to be in, uh, in the dog business, be a dog trainer of any kind. Um, Check them out. Their website is tacticalpolicek9training.com, tacticalpolicek9training.com. If you are smart, you'll go down there in the winter. It is North Carolina. It is warm. You get to work dogs. It's a no-joke school, guys. You're not going down there for a month um, and, and rushing through it. They're actually trying to make you real deal dog trainers. Uh, tacticalpoliceek9training.com. Next is a sponsor that's been with us for quite a while, uh, Dogtra. I love Dogtra stuff, and they continually keep bringing out new products. Uh, one of the things that I've been using a lot lately is the new Tone Box. If you're a pet trainer or if you train a lot of police officers, and I harp on my guys all the time about timing, and this thing literally kind of pairs to the, to the remote, and when you're using the remote, whether you're using Nick constant or Vibrate, it makes a noise. So you can get the timing down 100% consistent. And so I can demonstrate how to do an out with an e-caller immediately, quickly. And it is so effective that I can't believe that it took me forever to figure it out <laughs> to, mm-hmm. to get that. They've also got these new um, comfort feather, like titanium things that go on the collars that uh, are fantastic for making sure we got contact. It actually has six points and this comes in two sizes and it's a titanium feather thing. They're awesome. They got comfort, comfort contact points for the bark collars, the YS 600. One of my favorite things. I have about 50 of them at the kennel and it is dead silent. And I put them on all the pet dogs and I can leave them on because they have the comfort contact points and they're fantastic. All this stuff you can get at dogtra.com. And if you use the discount code WDR one zero you get 10 percent off a single item over 200 bucks so that covers the ball trainer that covers the 1900 ass hands free which is my personal favorite for all the big dogs uh it covers the two dog system uh the 202c which i use for the two dog pet guys and fantastic so doctor.com or go to at dogtra official on all the socials that's facebook instagram all those places so hit them up doctor.com guys i don't even shop any other sites when i'm looking for everything for dogs our one-stop shop for anything pet dog training and police dog training hunt dog training anything you need you can find at rayallen.com they have been doing it forever we have a great relationship with them Um, again they're at all the conferences you can stop up and talk to them they have more stuff there than any place rayallen.com they are amazing we have a great a really, really good relationship with those guys. Um, like I said, I get on their website. I do not look anywhere else. I just get on Ray Allen. Why, why should I fill up my cart, pay it? Boom. Shipping. Here we go. Uh, everything's coming. RayAllen.com. And guess what? We do have a discount code for them. Working dog radio for 10% off. It's all one working dog radio and it's all caps. Check them out. RayAllen.com. I'm not too shaped to admit that I used our own discount code to buy stuff for the kennel. We have American Aluminum next, our new sponsor for uh, moving forward. Um, they have been around for quite a while. They manufacture a wide variety of products from the high quality cam lockers and toolboxes 
to a huge line of products designed to meet the ever-changing needs of law enforcement community. Back in 1992, due to the demand for safe, secure transport for a nearby law enforcement department's canine, they introduced the very first Easy Rider canine. They have continuously grown and expanded products catering to the needs and wants of the valued customers and a high-profile clientele. Over the years, as the needs have changed, they have evolved and expanded their products to include inmate transport systems, canine training aids, canine inserts, contraband, containment, and animal control systems, just to name a couple of things. So you can find them at easyrideronline.com. That is easy echo zulu rider online.com. You can find them on the socials at American Aluminum Accessories, and then you can hit them up toll free. 1-800-277-0869. You don't have to worry about writing all that down. We're going to put it in the show notes. So just scroll down to the bottom, write it down, click the link, takes you straight there onto your phone. Our first sponsor we ever had, he's been, he's our ride or die. He's been with us since the beginning is Arno over at ALM Canine Equipment. His stuff is so good. Ted, you know, gets suits. He, and listen, Ted's suit, he's had it for a long time. Arno's fixed it. He's uh, taken a million bites on it. It still holds up. The thing's amazing. I've got a suit from him. I love it. Use it all the time. Uh, but the main thing that I really love about Arno is his hidden sleeves are ridiculously amazing. They are the best. And his tugs. I usually buy tugs from Arno by the box load. He'll send me a whole bunch of them. I hand them out to the handlers, new handlers when they come in, experienced handlers. Uh, they last for a long time. They're amazing. The craft work is is great. Arno's doing all the, the sewing there. He's got pre-made suits. He can do custom-made suits, everything you need um, out there. And he's out there in sunny Las Vegas. Get on his website, check him out, almk9equipment.com, almk9equipment.com. Discount code WDRADIO, all caps, 10% off your first order. Check him out. All right, folks, we are back. Working Dog Radio broadcasting the bite with Sinead and Barrow. Magnus was made of an appearance there with his big old blockhead. Um, so we're talking about, we've talked about uh, how you got into dogs, how you, what led you into the direction that you went, um, functional fitness for the handlers and for the dogs. Real quick, I want to touch on something. At my pet facility, we have four treadmills. They're all treadmills that I bought off of Craigslist for 50 bucks. They're human treadmills. We treadmill all the training dogs, police dogs, uh, pet dogs, and every single dog in our daycare. Every single dog every day gets treadmilled. It, no one else does that, right? We're the only place that does that. Um, my girl, Sarah, that works for me, can get any dog, trained or untrained, on the treadmill within minutes. And what it does for them physically and mentally, especially the mental side, is amazing. It's not a slap mill. It's a regular treadmill. So if the dog doesn't concentrate, flies off the back of the treadmill. So guys, you don't need to spend $1,300 on a, on a dog specific treadmill, get yours that you're not using. That, that is a, you know, you got clothes on, get that bitch out and get your dog on there. There's tons of YouTube videos on teaching your dog to run a treadmill. So, um, Okay, so if you have not been paying attention to the news, I, I don't understand it. But there was a pretty tragic event that happened down uh, in Florida um, where a condo complex collapsed partially. And then I think now they've, they've raised the whole building. There was a lot of people right away missing. 
how did that come about that you got there? It's I'm assuming not far from you and talk about your experience there. So it happened on a Thursday night, uh, 3 a.m. in the morning. Uh, call went out uh, that there was a collapse. I'm on Florida Task Force 6, which is located in Fort Myers, although I am living in Miami. Um, so Florida Task Force 1 and 2 were immediately uh, deployed to that site. We were called the next morning. So we got our orders at eight o'clock in the morning, the Friday. I was in Vegas two weeks prior and just traveling back from Vegas, driving, because I went to Vegas to teach. Um, I'm part of the canine medic um, company. So I was teaching their course with them in Las Vegas. So I got that call coming back to Miami. And um, Thursday night, I got here at 1.30 in the morning, did my laundry, um, packed my car, and 8 o'clock in the morning, we were activated to head to the site. So I got there, even though I'm 45 minutes away, had to wait for my team to arrive. So we both arrived same time around 2.30, and I believe at 3 o'clock, we were on the pile. So this is my first deployment for disaster search. And Magnus and I have been training for this for a good three years, okay? Um, I mean, we train minimum two to three times a week. Uh, every chance I got, I was at the training site training for a moment like this. Although in my head, I was never expecting to be on a collapse. I was expecting hurricane disasters. That's all that was going through my head. Never in a million years would I have ever expected something like this. So we get there. I get the call. Uh, canine on pile. I come out. I wait. And I'm standing in front of this massive building that's collapsed in in. It's, it's in a, it's just pancake down in a small area, it mm. neatly it, between two other um, condos. And, uh, and they just said, okay, we need you to search. And I said, okay. And so we get out on the pile and the smell that I can't even describe it. And I'm, I mean, I deal with HR. I, I imprint a lot of dogs with HR, but this was this was a smell that just was very overwhelming. Um, there's also a fire going on as well on the pile, so I had we had to deal with the smoke and everything. Um, so we got on the pile. As I was trained, sent him off to search. He searched the entire pile. He did it beautifully. Um, I was very impressed with how well he took it. Uh, I mean, there was rebar coming up. There was glass everywhere. Uh, slippery. I mean, I had to watch my footing everywhere I went. And I also had to watch him as well because I didn't want to, I was making sure that he wasn't going to fall into a void, even though there's very small, small voids 
to be found. Um, we get off the pile and that first time there was no sign, no change of behavior, nothing. And, uh, and so I go back to my base camp, put them up, come back and, uh, and my team of 30, they get deployed on the pile and they start to go to work in removing piece by piece, searching for the victims. And so I would wait until a void was created, until they lifted a slab off. And then we would get back on the pile and start searching. And that we did that for nine days, basically nine days straight, um, searching from our shift started from 12 p.m. till 12 a.m. So we were doing 12 hour shifts in the um, heat of the day, heat wise, in the heat of the day, oh, we yeah. were lucky as far as it was, it did rain every single day. It was overcast. There was a lot of lightning. Every time there was lightning, all of us would have to get off the pile, wait it out and then get back on the pile. And I've never seen, I mean, I've, I've worked with a lot of law enforcement, um, Working with firefighters, those guys got on that pile, <clears throat> sorry, and they just worked their heart out looking for uh, looking for those victims. Yeah, and they, they, you know, they probably are the same as you. They never thought that, you know, they train uh, for the hurricane stuff. They never thought that this was going to happen in their backyard here a collapse a, a freaking building collapse really yeah in the, in the united yeah, states it was, uh, yeah I mean, yeah unexpected outside of a, sure. outside of a hurricane or an explosive yeah in this country uh, a, a collapse is just you know it's probably it was probably difficult for everybody but you get you know those who who do anything remotely like this understand you get in it and you're just working. You're just you working to, 24-7. And you don't you stop. To, correct. You have to get through <clears> much all as that. You, as, as tired as you are, as hungry as you are, even when they were done their shift, they just, all of us, but my team and every, all the teams, I'm not just saying my team, but all of the teams, they would come back. Their boots were ripped apart. Their feet were bloody. Their hands were tired or gloves were ripped. <clears throat> they taped each other up, duct tape their boots, get up in the morning, take a shower and head back out. And that was it. No complaining, nothing. We all just got on that pile. We worked together. There wasn't any bickering. There wasn't any yelling. It was all quiet. And we just had one goal, and that was just to find life. But unfortunately, we couldn't. Yeah, that's that is unfortunate. So, search and rescue folks, like a lot of cops, especially our gear folks, we got everything, right? We if I always tell those guys, I know I could paint a block of wood black and call it a tactical block of wood, and if it has a holster, they're buying it. So we end up getting all this gear that when it comes down to it, we're like, oh yeah, this will be great. And then we get there and it isn't. 
Um, did you find anything that you had been using and preparing that didn't work and what absolutely did work as far as the boots you were wearing, your feet, your socks, your whatever gear it was? If, if it happened again, what would you leave back home and what would you take? Wow. Um, we had to wear ventilator masks. If I could find a ventilator mask that wasn't so obtrusive, that was because mm -hmm. this one really blocked my eyesight. Um, that would probably be the only thing. I mean, as far as equipment wise goes for Magnus, he doesn't wear equipment on the pile. He doesn't wear booties. He doesn't wear anything like that. He has to go completely naked so he doesn't get caught or he doesn't slip or anything like that. As far as me, I mean, we're required to wear the big ass heavy boots that were issued. Um, you know, our gloves, we have to wear gloves, we have to wear the mask or helmet. And that's basically it for me. Um, anything else that I put on would be, you know, my reward toy for him if he finds someone. Um, and then, you know, I have a backpack for the most part that I would put on with the water for him and myself. But for me, it really wasn't, I didn't really need much equipment for him. So I think we were, we were prepared. We were prepared for everything. I mean, we really were. For the training part, we were prepared for everything. For the emotional side of it, I was not. But that's just something that you can't train for. So. What, uh, real quick, here's something that comes up all the time in law enforcement forums. And it was a whole big thing for me. I could never, my entire career as a cop and a dog handler, I could never get my gloves right. What gloves were you wearing on the pile? You know, I just bought these gloves. They're from, I think it's called Vitcos, V-I-T. Oh, yeah. Vitcos, Is it Vitcos? Yeah. yeah. Vitcos. I got a pair of their pants on right now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, they're... They had some really nice gloves. It fit because I have, I have long, my hands are small, but they're long fingers. They fit me perfect. Um, I like gloves that I can, they feel like my hands. So I, you know, they're not too thick on me. So I can, if I grab something, it's not just cloth grabbing something. It's my hand grabbing it with, with grip. So that's the gloves I, I liked. So cool. during all the training, of course, um, you know, you guys trained a lot. And the one thing that we do a lot too with narcotics explosives or any detection work really is working blinds. Um, so obviously while you were there um, in terms of finding victims alive, there wasn't a ton of success there. Um, what was the strategy that you guys had to manage that for the dogs is we talked a little bit in the last segment about endurance. So like the search and rescue dogs and like some of the border patrol dogs and some of the tracking dogs easily have to have the best endurance of any of the working dog side. Um, but then there's the issue of drive endurance. So, I mean, the dogs hunt and hunt and hunt and they're like, yo man, like normally in training, when I hunt this long, I find something. So was there any issue with Magnus or with any of the other dogs like in that respect? So I get to the point where the, where he would get on the pile, he would search and he would just turn around and look at me and, and just keep telling me there's, there's no one here. There's no one here. Um, unfortunately I couldn't just take someone and have them hide on the pile and, and give them that, 
that victory. Mm-hmm. So I would basically end up having one of my team members lay a trail down by the beach and just have him find that person down there. And then the other times I would just build up his hunt drive, just take a ball and throw it in the sand dunes and have him hunt. That's the only thing I could do at that point was either lay a trail or um, play the hunt games. I would suspect there's no way to work a rubble pile like that long with all that, without getting some dings, nicks and cuts and things like that. How did the dogs come out overall? There were some dogs that did get um, their paws cut with either rebar or the, um, or the glass. But um, as you've seen my dog work, he's very, very methodical. Mm-hmm. Luckily he did not get one scratch on him at all. Uh, I'm, I'm even shocked, but he didn't get one scratch on him at all. Um, the times that we were on the pile, sometimes we were on there for 20 minutes. Other times I could only have them on there for three minutes because it was so hot that I just had to pull them off. Um, one day, the day that it was not raining and it was completely blue sky, we were working that pile for about eight minutes. Um, every time I get on the pile, I, I set my timer to make sure I, I have an eye on, on the time just to make sure that he's not out there too long. Eight minutes, I pulled them off. Um, and I had to take him back to our ambulance and hook him up, um, give him sub-Q fluids because he was getting a little overheated. Um, but that was also a day that a lot of the rescuers had to come off the pile because they were getting dehydrated as well. So uh, time-wise, you know, it just varied. Um, uh, so because of like what, has happened here is there any changes that you're going to make to training moving forward um to better prepare you guys for i hope this never happens again but i mean in the event the event that you guys get asked to go search another pile uh the only thing i need to work on is just better set up in my vehicle for him um i mean i had my car running 24 7 for him um, I just need a proper setup as far as fans, et cetera, goes uh, that that can facil- facilitate that a little bit better. Um, but as far as him being on the pile, I think I think we did really well. He worked really well with the workers being on the pile. It wasn't a distraction for him. There is, I mean, a massive crane that was there. I've never seen a crane so big in my life that was just moving stuff around he didn't care about it. He didn't care about the bulldozers. He didn't care about the jackhammers. Um, and that's obviously where environmental comes in, uh, into play when you're, you know, shaping a a puppy. Um, so with that aspect of him being on the pile and working, he did great. Um, again, I just hope that something like that never happens again, but if it does, you know, we'll be there. We'll be there and we'll, do the best that we can any conversations with the fire guys about maybe doing some joint work going forward because probably don't get to do that as much as 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 we find out you need to well my task force like i said is up in fort myers um because of covid we haven't been doing too much training luckily we did some training uh oh maybe three to four weeks prior to this disaster 
believe it or not. So we were able to get him used to all of those noises and people working, and then this happens. So we plan on doing some more training um, with them throughout the year as training will be scheduled. But Yeah, that's, that's a crazy situation, man. And, and then when they have to make the decision to raise the rest of the building, um, that sucks for everybody. There's no if ands, or buts about it. Um, it is it, a reality, we, but it had to be done every yeah. time. I mean, every day we would go there, you would see a crack on the building that's just started to get longer and longer and longer, or you would hear a creak. Um, the building would move. Um, there was so many widow makers, there was like AC units, there was just stuff just dangling. Um, so we, there was a section that we couldn't even go to because it was just too dangerous for us to be there in case something would fall on us. Um, so they had to make that executive decision to demolish the rest of the building. Yeah, man, that, yeah. And then, and of course, cause all you guys were live fine. And when they decided to change from rescue, rescue to recovery, recovery. yeah, it obviously the mission changes at that point. And so, I mean, I don't, obviously I don't know a ton about any of that stuff, like what they win and how and what they, what determines, but, um, at that point, was that, was that the end of your guys's task force involvement when they switched yes. to recovery? From that, the rest? And because of what was that hurricane or storm Elsa was oh, yeah. coming our way. Right, right. So because of all the task forces, all the Florida task forces being on the site, they had to pull a couple just in case we had to, you know, go help somebody else. So, so we were on standby for the weekend for Elsa. Mm. Damn, man! Yeah. I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. That that uh, when when I heard when uh, when our guy let me know that you were gonna come on, I was like, oh man, we're gonna hear about the thing. And I kind of followed it in the news, and you know, I thought because we wanted to have other search and rescue people on too, and there's been some like issues about what's available and what's not available to talk about and everything else. But you know, I mean, that it's so. I think there's no question about what we do is extremely important in terms of like you're talking about they go out into the, out into their community and they work really well and that's one of the most rewarding things. Um, and when you go out and Eric and I talk about this all the time, you know, the FBI, the DOJ, or somebody says that X number of tracks are successful, and they determine a successful track by finding somebody at the end or the correct person. Um, and everyone knows that dudes get picked up by the old lady or they get picked up by the homies and they take off and the dog's not necessarily wrong and in your case you know i mean they're at least eliminating areas where they shouldn't search so you know i i've been part of a um search where there was a country singer that was um lost and he drowned in the lake and we had some guys come down from st louis with um cadaver dogs and um the teams that we were working with were not real like up on wanting the dogs to be around and uh, the dogs ended up kind of eliminating a lot of areas uh, but they were like oh we've already searched it we've already searched it we've already searched it and an area where two of the dogs were continuing to try to go up to they ended up finding his body but the the state agency that was responsible swore up and down left and right and front and back in every other direction you can think of that they'd already covered that 
And yeah, you can never replicate a dog's nose. I mean, nope. you, you, you can't. Um, yeah, and it, if you train a dog properly, and these dogs have been trained properly, because I'm not just saying that because they're there, but I mean, they have to go through state testing and everything. It, it's just, yeah. if you train a dog properly, the dog does its job, there's nothing that can replicate it. Not a robot, not a person, nothing. Nothing can replicate that dog's nose in finding that odor, whether it be a live odor or whether it be human remains. And, um, and in this case, all the human remains dogs did a phenomenal job locating those victims. And all of the live fine dogs did a phenomenal job just working their asses off, searching every single part of that pile, um, looking for breath or human life. Yeah. Um, and, you know, had there been anything, it probably would have been because the dogs, if there was, it probably would have been because they were there because the, the, the enormity of that situation of like, well, where do you start? And, exactly. and that's the thing, like, you know, the live find dogs, it's like, you know, even if they don't find anybody alive, it doesn't mean that they were unsuccessful. Yeah. Um, one, because nobody was there to find, but two, if they had, it would have, I mean, it could have shortened it from days to minutes to finding them. And, you know, so that's why I kind of asked like the question, whether they had some issues like searching for so long, not finding anybody. And I mean, continuing to have to send the dog up knowing and him turning around being like, there's just nothing for me to find, man. Yeah. Like, what do you want me to do? Yeah. yeah. So and it's, it's so crazy. Cause we'll do that in training, you know, we'll sometimes we'll go out and there'll be no one on the pile, you know, and I'll, I'll even set up scenarios where I'll have some of my quote unquote victims come with me and I'll have the handlers stay back. And then I'll tell the victims to like, literally just walk around the pile and go sit in your car or go sit somewhere else. So the handler thinks that there's a victim on the pile. They've seen me with those victims to go hide them. Um, and they have to look at their dog's behavior and the dog will just search that pile and search that pile and then come back and say, there's no one here. And then they'll keep pushing the dog and pushing the dog. And then they'll look at me and they'll say, my dog says there's no one here, but I saw you put someone, you know, you're walking over to the pile. So you need to trust your dog. There's no I one here. The, I do that all you the know? time. I put those blank hide boxes out all the time with nothing in them. Yeah. <laughs> the right. handlers are like, but, but you, I can see it. <laughs> Yeah, you have to do it, you know, yeah, so your I, dog, so, so you can read that behavior. But when you see it, when it's real time and your dog does it and it looks at you and says, there's no one here. You're like, okay, yeah. we're done. That's it. Yeah. Cause that's a, who that's a call to make. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's a call. It to is. Make. Uh, it is. Say, listen, we can probably eliminate. I, I would stress me out, but we can eliminate this area here. Unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Let's focus over here on that. It's tough. It was a tough, like I said, emotionally, I was not prepared. It, it was the, the energy, the energy there at that pile was, I, I can't even describe that feeling. Um, the, how quiet it was, how everyone was working. Um, the pressure you feel from the families and the community hoping that you'll find someone yeah that was 
I, I didn't mention that, but yeah, I, I mean, they think that the dogs show up and because they're there, that, that means that there's going to be a positive outcome. Yeah. And that's like, it's tough. I, I mean, yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. I mean, you know, it's, and you want it. I mean, you, right. you want yeah. it. Yeah. And it's not, I'm not wanting it for ego. I, I want to find someone for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, and, Sometimes it doesn't work out that way, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I appreciate you sharing that story. That was super intense. And I, when we talked about this uh, this weekend, when we were going to talk do the show, and I was like, uh, how is that going to go? And we were like, I'm just going to let her tell the story. I don't know how it's going to go, but it was super intense. I'm, I'm grateful that you were able to tell it. And because, you know, it's an extremely important, and like you said, like Eric and I said, and you said it before I could even ask the question, like, you know, you normally think you're going to deploy to like, some kind of terrorist deal or some kind of natural event or something that not in the United States where, you know, shit just falls down and for no reason. And I mean, at that point, you're kind of like, it doesn't require some natural event or a terrorist event or anything for the resources to have to be used. And, you know, I, I hope that I hope that a lot of the the the, the emergency services and the law the the fire side is a little better I think at it than the law enforcement side is because they the scope scope's a little narrower but you know I, I hope that everybody sees that and and they prepare and they look at like the town that they're in like even the town I'm in I mean it's kind of weird but Tulsa has um, the same architect and the same company that built the twin towers in New York City built our largest building here and it's a massive building it's huge so over 100 stories huge and when this happened, I was kind of downtown because I live almost downtown. I thought, eh, I'm kind of looking around this stuff and I'm like, holy shit. Uh, and so it kind of makes you think. And all of a sudden, like, I think every canine handler in the country is like, yeah, this could probably happen. Like, or every search and rescue handler, like, yeah, this could happen at any time. It doesn't necessarily have to be a weather event. It doesn't necessarily have to be a terrorist event or anything. So, no, yeah, I appreciate no, it. Not at all. So, um, um, if we want to, oh, go ahead. I just wanted to, to say I, I did have a lot of handlers reach out to me. Um, law enforcement, a lot of uh, search and rescue that have had, uh, have been deployed and have experienced some type of traumatic um, event such as this. And they shared their stories with me, which has helped. Um, I don't think people know the effects that something like this could have on a person. So I think it's important that people know that, um, you know, it's okay to talk about it. It's okay to share it. It's okay to get help. And I just wanted to share that with everyone. Great. Awesome. Yeah. So, um, yeah, for sure. You know, when we had on um, Pepper's Handler, Dave Nielsen, um he kind of had echoed the same thing handled for um an smu military and he lost pepper on a deployment and obviously had several other related things but he said the same thing and that was the way that he dealt with it he was like i go on and do interviews and talk about it and it helps me so yeah and i mean uh there are resources available for anybody that is that has that kind of stuff going on um and it's it's an ever-present topic uh, and the military side, especially, um, I don't think it gets talked about enough in law enforcement and, and definitely not in fire. Um, 
you know, I have several friends that are in the fire side and that's the, they have a pretty dark sense of humor and they kind of like joke about it. And I think to the couple of guys that I'm thinking of, I, they joke about it. And I think that's their way of like normalizing it. I, I don't know. I don't know that the shit that they see is ever going to be normalized. Like you don't normalize seeing people getting maimed and like this stuff. I, I don't know how that gets normalized. I just, I mean, so, but yeah, I mean, there is, you know, there is no shame in talking about it. There's no shame in asking for help. That's for damn sure. So we're um, speaking of asking for help. Um, if people want to train with you, uh, where <laughs> would we get a hold of you? Um, you know, they can get a hold of me at Georgia Canine. Uh, I right. do a lot of detection training there. If they wanted to get, they wanted to do some other type of training other than um, detection or trailing, uh, like obedience or starting their puppy, they can uh, they can reach out to me, and I can always give you guys my uh, contact information for them to reach out. Yeah. And you're on Instagram. Uh, it's just your name, right? Sinead and borrow. Yes. Instagram okay. and Facebook. We'll put it out. It, it'll, I mean, it'll, we'll put it in the show notes and it'll be in the thing. So yeah. Um, e, what about you? Van S canine on Instagram, Van S canine Academy on Facebook for police stuff. And then pet stuff is Ridgeside canine, Ohio. How about you? Uh, Tedder underscore summers is pets and police. And then we have torchlight pets and torchlight canine. Uh, on the Instagram and Facebook. And then, of course, we have HRD. Uh, and then we have Working uh, Dog Radio as its own Facebook and Instagram, too, where we uh, do put all the show notes and all that kind of stuff in there, too. Um, and then the, also the Patreon. You put up a bunch of videos. I put up an article. I had, an, I had a conversation with somebody recently that um, is in the legal field that was not really well informed on some things and it got me thinking so i wrote an article for patreon and put it up there and gotten some good reviews or gotten some good feedback on it and you're doing um which dog is that jack that you're vinny i was doing uh, a whole box protocol with vinny um right. from start imprinting on boxes on the first odor all the way through all the odors um i was trying to do it originally with jack and ronnie and they ruined that by biting the boxes and destroying everything and i had to completely do jack differently which i showed which was again same as ronnie was a right. um you know an indirect reward protocol that worked out well real well but the the vinny one is just showing on a pretty regular regular malinois that's yeah. that's imprinting on boxes what that looks like and how um easy it can be but how the minutia matters this the small little things that matter um yep. so it's turned out pretty good so i i have them on all the odors i think i'm done with that series and we'll see what's up up next so cool. Sinead, thanks for coming on um i think i mentioned it when we were in indiana i would like to get you on there um and it it um it's crazy how it worked out that we ended up finishing with that story that didn't exist you know when, <laughs> when we met yeah, life is yeah. insane man it's crazy how stuff like this goes yeah and um what's next for you real quick uh just some more training a little bit of downtime or no no i'm actually uh preparing for the uh canine olympics up in indiana at the bond lake kennels oh yeah so that's uh that's coming up uh august 8th to the 13th i believe hmm. so we plan on making a mark there and hopefully bringing home some awards all right. Oh, yeah. All right. We'll be watching. Are they going to live stream it? Some of it? 
I don't know. Maybe they might. They we'll should pay attention. They might. <laughs> Somebody call Kenny. <laughs> they should. Uh, Kenny's like live stream. What the hell's that? Yeah, I, I know. Kenny, he's like, no, flips he, open his phone. I call yeah. Danny to ask him what a live stream is. When we had him on the show. He was like, how the fuck does this work? And I'm like, dude, it's just a microphone. Just talking to it. And he's like, I don't know these podcast yeah. things. Bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody knows Kenny. <laughs> All right. I gotta like go Kenny. to the kennel. Right. Surprise. Surprise. Yeah. Me too. Thanks again, Sinead. It was really good. Um, yeah. We'll, on that note, we'll see everybody later. Thanks, guys. Thanks. You got your reasons. I got my wants. Still got that feeling, but I'm too old to die young now. Working Dog Radio was graciously granted permission to use this music by Brother Deeg. Be sure to check him out at brotherdeeg.blogspot.com. That's spelled brother, D-E-G-E. Blogspot.com. Be sure to buy him a beer at Amazon, iTunes, or CD Baby, or anywhere you stream your music. Working Duck Radio was edited and co-produced by Alicia Brandt.